You know the frame rate theme, you love it. It's how you know that another frame rate has begun. I'm your host, Michael Swaim, and with me is another one of those. I'm Abe. It's Abe. It's Abe. It's Abe, a classic part of the frame rate theme. And of course, delivering the climactic third part of the frame rate theme you all know and love is our special guest. Blah blah boom. It's, it's a game changer. I am Cody Johnston. I feel like I'm home now. Doesn't mm. that just it's mm. Pavlovian. Mm. You know it's frame rate when you hear all three that, parts. The all three, three parts, parts of yeah. that sequence of sounds. Um, this is a very special episode. Because uh, it's part of our Pick the Flick tier, which is a great way you can support the beans, whereby patrons of a certain level get to choose what we cover on frame rate, although we reserve the right to tell you your opinion's bad and not cover it and give you your money back. <laughs> In this case, we didn't do that um, because Shakla, user Shakla, hi Shakla, uh, Shannon's the first name, I won't say the surname just in case. But uh, we, we want to thank Shakla for bringing us and thereby you the film Brazil, which I hadn't watched in many, many years. And I'm truly, sincerely grateful for rewatching it, for having a reason to rewatch it. So we are talking Brazil. Uh, Shakla, it should be noted, purchased this specifically as a Christmas present for her husband, Jesse. So hi, Jesse. And I'm hi. sorry it took so long. We're so sorry. It, or it's, it's early. Yeah, or, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. She but didn't we, specify. We got Cody. And I wanted to... Here's the thing is that I was watching Brazil, apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's very... I was like, who should we have guest on this frame rate? And I was like, you know what? It would be great. Something I could do for my friend Cody is to find a feature film... That is in no because you're you're the star of the some more news. Uh, you're you you talk a lot of politics. That's your Who bag me? right now, Cody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. And okay. I was like, you know what? It would be very good if we could give him a break from that, <laughs> and mm-hmm, pick a movie mm-hmm. that probably has no relevance whatsoever in today's world, and just in general give you a good happy time to so talk with your buds. Time. Yeah, just uh, wild and crazy shit. Yeah, you know? that just means yeah. nothing. You know? es- escapism. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, so that's why Cody's here. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I've uh, Yeah, I don't like... You know, sometimes you want to take a break from thinking about society. Mm. So you put on Brazil. Well, and to peel back one more layer of madness, I'll have you know, we've already c- recorded a Brazil episode of Frame Rate some time ago. Oh, yeah, that's but right. But in fact... But in fact, it was lost due to a crazy technical error. So it's very appropriate to today's topic. Yeah. But uh, a bug got into the computer. Oh, yeah. Bug in the system. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Uh, Cody, what's your experience with Brazil, your history with Brazil? And in case someone hasn't seen it, we usually leave it to the guests to just say, like, in a few sentences, Brazil is this theme or this setting or whatever, you know? Oh. Yeah, um, I so I hadn't watched it in a long, long time. Um, I like Gilliam's movies in general, um, and uh, all of his Python work, obviously. Um, so, but it it had been maybe a decade since I've seen this movie, 
And so watching this again, you remember things that uh, maybe didn't have as much of a message to you at the time you originally watched it or didn't hit quite as hard. Um, so this second this uh, viewing experience was quite something uh, to be reminded of everything about it. Um, I would say that Brazil is about um, the the inefficiencies of society and how they are there by design in order to shield people in power from consequences and accountability. And sometimes the best way to subvert the system is through empathy. Um, but they also like, I don't know, like there's like, uh, like sci-fi stuff and pew yeah, pew yeah, pews yeah, and yeah. things like that. You know? All right. I'll give the Leonard Malton bullshit synopsis <laughs> for people who yeah. legitimately haven't seen it. Oh, just like the plot. Sure. 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 Yeah. 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 It's uh, along the lines of 1984, Brave New World, and it's a dystopian society or the trial by Kafka or what have you, uh, where a protagonist navigates this horrible society and we hope they'll break out of it. And you think they do, but then they don't, which is the same as 1984 or Brave New World or any of those. So any of those. Yeah, yeah, it's in the long tradition of sci-fi social commentary that's not going to end well. Of course, depending on which cut you watch, because another famous thing about Brazil that film buffs will know is that it was deemed too depressing when the executives saw it, saw screenings of it, which honestly, I'm so, I don't understand how you don't get that. If you just watched a movie and you pe- feel profoundly despondent, that means the movie was really fucking good. It's hard to yeah, make you feel that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah I, knowing that they uh, they changed it because um, they didn't even technically really change it. They just cut the last scene. Um, uh, they literally they, imply yeah. that the dream is reality, right? Like, <laughs> and I imagine what I imagine watching the movie and seeing that ending and actually being mad. Like the the reaction of like, oh, we, it's not uplifting. You got to change it. Is weird because if I watched the fake ending i would be mad that the movie was wrong and like did a bad job (laughs) oh also can you imagine a more fitting like cosmic commentary than for this movie brazil to be like that contains the ministry of information who only provide disinformation and all this 1984 style shit Mm -hmm. for the powers that be the nebulous bureaucracy to say this movie Brazil itself is too downery. We're going to change the ending to pretend that the dream is reality. And you're like, that's what the movie's about. It's happening yeah. again. To right. The maybe, movie. maybe it was actually very clever on their part. I don't, but if it's clever, like if they know that's what they're doing, then they're just like, yes, I am the devil. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Suck my dick. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how much, because he wrote a book about it, Gilliam did. Um, and it's called The Love Conquers All, uh, is like what they call it version, the studio version. Mm-hmm. And it actually, it's not like blown out of proportion because it was a very big deal for a while. It, uh, it's a pretty famous case because, the studio relented, which is very rare. Um, but it only was shown the love that version of the movie. You can't really find uh, if you do have it. You're very lucky because it was only like played on TV uh, and probably a handful of movie theaters. That's all it played in it. Uh, they kept 
holding it back. They had this, they were working on this edit. They kept not releasing the film. And basically Terry Gilliam stole the film and she, like they, they were like, okay, you can't show it on this. You can't do it at a screening at a film school. And he's like, yeah, you got it. And then he showed it, showed it at the film school for like a whole week. And then he showed it at a bunch <laughs> of like theaters. Mm-hmm. And that got a bunch of critics to get buzz around the movie that people were starting to say things like Oscars, Oscars, Oscars. And um, then th- after that, and then he actually, Gilliam, uh, my favorite thing, it's next to... Uh, uh, what was it for Mononoke sent to uh, Weinstein, which is like, ooh, you know, now, but like uh, 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 Mayuzaki sent a, a thing, uh, essentially a, a postage to Weinstein that was a samurai sword. And he's mm-hmm. after he'd gotten it, purchased the film's rights from uh, Studio Ghibli, he was like, all it, ha- all it had is one little note card that said no cuts. Uh, and it's just like one of those famous things that Gilliam did, which is that he took out a full spread, which cost him like $1,500 at the time, which is still quite a bit. Uh, and he made it look like a funeral invitation. And it said, dear Sid Scheinberg was the producer who was giving the most pushback. When are you going to release my film? Signed Terry Gilliam. So this is like crazy. Like it had a lot of buzz because it was something that came out of, this tradition, I guess, of mm-hmm. like the Arturs fighting for their movies. And so it's actually more of a story about the rebellious, like rebellion wins. Rebel- There's a success to rebellions uh, that we like. And we wanted that with our, it didn't happen in the movie, but we wanted that in like the story around the our movie, reality. which is why it, right. it became like a bigger deal. I just think that that's kind of interesting is that well like as you said you were like the studio is representing yeah. representing the bureaucracy that is the problem that's true right so actually the story's kind of a uh happy uh we're in reality we're pleased with the version that made it out yes. and i agree it's right the movie the movie doesn't have a happy ending but the movie experience the fact that it does. got out is yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i hesitate to say this in this in these times but i'm like it speaks well of our democracy, I suppose, <laughs> that you're allowed to be critical of it and it still makes its way out into the world as an artistic statement. But I yes. just want to say that, like, it must be said that Terry Gilliam in his old age has become like a crotchety old man who says crazy problematic shit. And I don't always truck with, like, his current sensibilities, but I can see why he felt the need to fight for this film at all costs, because my main takeaway after watching this movie, after not having seen it for decades and just thinking it is a good film. Yeah, it's a very good film. I liked it, you know, get off my back. But like really watching it for this podcast, I'm like, oh, it's easily in my top five films of all time. Yeah, and that's something I think about a lot and it's very rare for it to change and this just went from a film I know I admire and I saw it back in the day to maybe number two or three films of all time Brazil Mm -hmm. fucking rules it's so good yeah it's so good (laughs) from start to finish it's so good in every way (laughs) in every possible way it's in a uh, and for me I want to just echo that uh it's one of the films that made me decide to go to film school. Uh, it's in a handful. Oh, wow. It was like it was that important to me. It was the first time that I saw it, sat and watched a movie alone, uh, just in a room, uh, like watching the DVD. 
and I couldn't go to bed, you know, like after it. And it's like three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you right, right. It was supposed to be so much shorter. Yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, you keep thinking about it. You keep thinking about it. It's, uh, there's so many images and ideas that get stuck in your brain. What is the most... Let me ask you this, Cody. What's the most valuable... Like, what do you think is the most valuable lesson or question that this movie poses? Or maybe if you can't think of just one, like name some of them that really resonated with you when you rewatched it. Because you mentioned that you were... You're like, when I, I watched it originally and I was like, yeah, a good movie. But then like it resonated with you in in, in, in new ways after the rewatching. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there's a, I mean, there's so much to it. Um, I think the, the empathy thing, I think, uh, was a really, um, is a really strong contender. Um, just the, uh, the basic journey of, uh, you see, and, and this kind of ties in with the other thing I would that really stuck with me is the the normalization of uh the terrorist attacks and things like that going on in the background right right and uh they happen more and more and you get more and more used to them and so eventually you're out to dinner and there's uh explosions and corpses behind you and you just keep talking about your banal like pointless life uh, well the waiters put screens up you see yeah eventually they put screens up um so you can ignore it so there's like these uh processes in place to help that along too um and then you know jump you know experience a movie and then eventually a similar thing happens and uh the character's reaction is fundamentally different um and that is one of the cooler things of the movie to me yeah Um, i love that i love him at the beginning and him at the end like just taking those sequences and just putting them next to each other it really is one of those movies where kind of like in catch 22 with yasarian like it's all of a cerebral development for the main character and it isn't done in a like it's not a typical hero's journey where it's just like you know what i've been oppressed in this way my whole life that's act one i'm gonna make a stand beginning act two you know like it is very much a slow burn as he slowly realizes how fucked up it is and he you know was basically going the horror the horror until he realized he must do something and even then i love how that how uh 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 kim greest's uh character when they're driving away she's like yeah jill she's like why are you you're like a little boy you know because he's like yeah and then we're gonna go keep mm-hmm. driving mm-hmm. Woo! you know because he's he's like flirting with it she's like man i grew up in the terrorism like you're just you're just here right now that's all that is and i well, it's you don't the need thrill it. of becoming a revolutionary exactly and i thought off. that yeah. that was well tempered too because like there's a, a lot of things happening right now where And it happened in 2016 that are just like a lot of people love a rebellion story. I love to be the rebels versus the empire. And that's very true. And I see the negative manifestations of that, that we're having in America right now. But I also would say like, I think the movie kind of goes out of its way to show that he is, and maybe this is your point. So forgive me if I'm misunderstanding, but like he's part of the problem, right? I would say so. Yeah. The f- the fullness of the film is like him realizing everything's fucked up, 
and this is really cynical and grim, but I really think it's what the message is. And then dabbling with the idea of how can this be changed and realizing, oh, it's too late. It can't be changed. I lose. Right. It's too yeah, far The only thing you can already. do is escape into your mind. Right. And, uh, and in fact, yeah. the whole of my life up until this point, I was a cog in the machine helping normalize it. Dang. I wish I had noticed that sooner. <laughs> Right now I'm right. yeah just I have, yeah I, I was, I'm still stuck was in the machine close. and can't do it because I also it, yeah. felt like I and maybe uh, yeah again maybe I'm misreading uh, and I do think to the listener this is a movie that absolutely of course deserves to be watched but I don't think will be like encapsulating the plot per se because it's so fucking dense and there's so much of it and there's just so much to talk about about what it means mm. so i recommend you pause the episode and go watch it and come back but yeah watch the criterion yeah, it's very good too, if you have <laughs> yeah. someone who has the criterion version it's not that it's better it's just really well taken care of they really take a it's like a labor of love clearly by the criterion uh collection on this one and there's a lot of really good uh behind the scenes stuff that we also won't be talking about in this episode yes true but i just wanted to ask you guys i got the impression that the terrorist attacks are false flag attacks by the government i think some of them am i the only one who thinks that no i I think no i I think the the first um the first scene kind of points to that especially that was another thing that uh it hits you right away uh, when you hear like a politician talking about uh, these terror attacks, it does it gives that sense that like this is just this is another piece of the theater that they're playing. Okay, by I'm sorry, but before I move on, by the way, the fucking first shot of this, well, not counting the credits with the swooping through the clouds and the song, which is amazing, but that shot that's the push in onto the store window. Oh, yeah. Where there's a set of TVs and they're playing an ad about Central Services, new ducts. And then you pull out and you see a silhouette of a woman with a baby carriage walk by. And then the store explodes. And then the explosion becomes the title card. And reflected on the shards of glass as they explode is the neon lighting from the city. It's like... I have rarely seen an opening shot that layers so many film techniques into one shot. It's 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 like Pinocchio walking onto that island of bad children or whatever. You're just like immediately intoxicated with the sheer level of filmmaking we're about to see. And it stays at that level the whole mm-hmm. fucking time. Yeah, it's pretty. I rewound hilarious. it. The, uh, yeah. To watch that again. <laughs> like, in, yeah. In terms of sheer imagery, like it reminds me of Hudsucker Proxy, Fifth Element, movies that I remember because of the way they look. Yes, it he's a uh, he's delightful. so good at uh, framing uh, shots and uh, arranging people and choreographing things and having people say things in a certain way. Where it's like I know everything you mean right now by I, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Maggie! Can, you can. I was gonna say. <laughs> can, can you hear, hear my dog? Yeah, it's cute. Keep Hi, it Maggie. Uh, yeah, very City brave. Lost Children, Delicatessen. Uh, is in Dark City also, I would say, right? Dark City, just... absolutely. I'm, Batman. I haven't sorry, seen... hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. She's, I got it. Okay. I'm sorry. I, while he does that, I have a question for Abe. Uh, City of Lost Children, do I need to jump on that real quick? Because I've always been, like, intrigued by it, but I've never seen it. Uh, I would say it definitely needs a single watch. Uh, I think okay. Perlman's really good in it, uh, playing a role that I don't think... Uh, like, cause he plays like, uh, 
He's in a like I don't. There's a lot of people that you don't know in the movie, so that will probably distract you because there's a lot of just um, people who are, you know, from it's a foreign country film. Um, but it is a sci-fi fantasy, and uh, it's got a lot of cool uh, interpretations. I think that's the one in film school that I had a lot of fun with. It's like, it's definitely, like, we're talking about it through steampunk and, like, how he uh, essentially, Terry Gilliam is credited with Brazil in creating the steampunk genre to a lot mm-hmm. of people. Some people predate it with other, like, uh, with, like, manga and comics yeah, and his, stuff, but he popularized it predates it as a book. Yeah, I think so. I, it's not that it didn't exist. He didn't invent it. Yeah. He just, he, he made it mainstream. Sure. And City of Lost Children is also given that uh, credit because there was definitely... 85 and 95, 10-year difference. Um, and 95 is when it started kicking into gear. I think that that's also the ad. Slowly over time, we got the advent of the internet, and so a lot of cultures got developed, like the, those kind of genres where that people are like, oh, you like that look? Oh, you like that look? So now it's in the zeitgeist a little bit more present. We're behind where it was a little more behind the scenes and like yeah. people wouldn't talk well, about it because it wasn't mainstream. It's an aspect of globalized postmodernism that you see all mm. the genres that have ever existed as just a palette of yeah. things to mash up. And we see th- that in film right now all the time. I think Brazil is well more well known because it's like, Hey, here's the director who had just recently split from uh, Monty Python. That's There's crazy a, to think y- about. Michael <laughs> Palin is in this, you know, uh, right. Jonathan Price became an actor of, you know, well-known. It was made in Britain, you know, um, you know, which is like the kind of, they also gave us Hitchhiker's Guide and stuff. They're like, and 1984 British and British literature world. at this point is like, you don't look anywhere else if you want to like really open up the bureaucracy, you know, if like you really want analog. a dystopia story. Yeah. It's yeah if you want to, if you want to read about how paperwork is bad. <laughs> yeah, just. yeah, exactly. You're going to, you got one stop shop. Uh, Stranger in a strange land. Yeah. 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 And so I think that there's a lot of like, not to take, to try to move back to Brazil. I, the reason I mentioned it is because like it, it very much so popularized along with Brazil which I think is almost more important, uh, the stream, steampunk genres in the zeitgeist of, I don't know, video games. Now we have like Bioshock and mm-hmm. all that stuff. City of Lost Children, you mean. But let's get back to Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's see where to dive in. <laughs> where to it's dive so, in. It's so good. Yeah, so uh, oh, you mentioned to, to the density to... of tactics that is in his employ. That's something that I just I didn't want to talk at length about, but it's just something that I love about uh, Gilliam's toolbox is that he loves to use. You can tell he's defining his toolbox by limitations. He, you know that, for example, you can feel it's a, like Baron Munchausen or Brazil has like he shoots a lot of wide angle lenses, which means that his yes. backgrounds have a lot more space than his foregrounds. It also means faces are a little bit distorted. Uh, relative to other shots but what it does is it forces his hand to things like choreography things like pacing and timing need to be a little bit more picture perfect because you see so much in frame 
So mm-hmm. it has to, and be... a lot of the shots are even lo- like longer. Like he does mo- a lot of moves yep. that take all that into account. So because he limits himself in some things where he's like, "I want to do it this way," it means that he has to be very precise with like the editing and the pacing and the choreography of all the moments, uh, and that's what gives it that feeling. It's also, I think, what gives, you know, we're talking about the Coen Brothers in terms of like you mentioned, Hudsucker Proxy, Michael. I think mm-hmm. that there is some choreography in that th- those types of shots. That is not necessarily Coen Brothers' bag, but it's definitely Terry Gilliam's bag. Yes, I mean, go yeah, going down that hallway, all the all the all the male folk and uh, the papers flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many shots like that. Even his his new job, that hallway of uh, where he is uh, trying to talk to his new boss, and there's everyone like handing him stuff, and they get into uh, get him to his office like that. He's just he's so good at that. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the like one of the visual bits that most people come away from the film having it as one of their favorites is his uh, desk mate, Lime, Mr. Lime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they share a desk through the wall oh, and they God, each get so half good. a desk mm-hmm. and they fight over like pulling the desk into their side of the office. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Are, are you suggesting that uh, things are designed to make us sort of fight each other? <laughs> to be uh, pit against each other, yeah. In, in, despite uh, 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 each other not being the actual enemy? Is that yeah. what you're saying? It's also oh, so, so good. God. So yeah, good. it's also awesome to see this movie and think about it critically. The year Parasite came out. Awesome, mm-hmm. by which I mean depressing. Or like... It made oh, me think of Parasite too, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, it's still just as relevant to say these things? That sucks. That's yeah. a problem. One we have it's, it's a problem. We haven't really fixed it. Like, you can still resonate just as hard saying, oh, uh, capitalism in the end is just a trap that takes us away from a healthy society. And you're like, I know. We said that 30 years ago. We haven't fixed that? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, dear. We all, we all know. Oh, yeah, dear. we all know. The My Wire lens. is about the same shit, dude. Yeah, we know. Or, like, some of us know. Yeah, <laughs> some, of, some of us know, and we like the movies about it. Yeah, but I, yeah, it was really, I got a lot out of it having just seen Parasite recently. Uh, and also, having just covered The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover recently on this podcast stream, because... Although I enjoyed certain aspects of that film and no one can deny uh, Greenway's ability to like hammer you with a visceral image, I uh, it, it felt like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I preferred cl- this. Yeah. I prefer this. I prefer the clarity <laughs> of the symbols used yep. here. Right, right. I yep. prefer the way that it all maps out geometrically very cleanly and I know exactly what he means. And he means like, 12 pretty complex things about socioeconomics and yet they're all transmitted to me very clearly that's quite a feat and i just tip my hat to him especially in the light of this movie we watched where i'm like was that the point i mean he choked to death on a book about the french revolution that must be the point right but this other thing seems to be the opposite point like brazil is fucking clear it's very (laughs) clear and i think that that's very apt i had the same exact thought michael because i was like trying to be like yeah but when you do say it outright and you just say things like uh yeah robert de niro in brazil he works on pipes which oh yeah that makes sense because it's all about he's fixing things that are systemically a problem because of distribution 
Oh, I see. <laughs> when you, you say always, it, like you always uh, see the ducks spelled like, out, pressing down from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. You, you go like, out. well, that's too simple. But it's like, yeah. But then watch how they navigate the space, and there's always a new thing to jump onto. And in the end, it's doesn't forsake story for symbology and that's what i think the important difference is we're going to the movies to watch a story not a lesson on like you know friend the french revolution right. so right. i think like, that that's what makes brazil more effective of a movie hence also why it's more popular and I right think, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't like hit you over the head with it because and i think to to this aspect of this movie specifically, but Terry Gilliam in general, he came from animation. He did mostly animation yes. for Monty Python. So he is really good at like coming up with that sort of symbology that you want. Like, okay, this image tells you this about society and it's just this image because I do cartoons mm -hmm. and you have to, you have to pack it in. And he is just really good at transferring that to film yeah um and utilizing it yeah like the like the ducks and everything like yeah there's there's all the stuff about how yeah they're they're built in it's too complicated and you uh but th then also throughout the movie they're hanging from the ceiling mm -hmm. and it, it, it's not hitting you over the head it's just like hovering over your head yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and so you don't even notice them right away and then you're like wait what are those oh it's the ducks from the okay that means that and you it it's all pieced together mm -hmm. Very yeah. expertly. Or it's like, it took me many days after the viewing to realize, or to come to the theory that I think is true and I like, is that the gift, the desk gift that they give every employee of the Ministry of Information that's a magnetic decision-making tree, and it can either point to yes or no, mm -hmm. every time you ever see it function, it only points to no. Yep. Right. So you realize, oh, it's rigged. It's like loaded it's no dice. Machine. It always goes mm -hmm. to no. And then you have the thought, oh, it wasn't just a joke that that they all get the same desk gift. It's a training mechanism from the higher ups. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's to condition you to say no more often than yes. And everything in this movie kind of unfolds in that way where it's like. Uh, like, I think towards the end of the film when Robert De Niro gets literally devoured by newspapers, which honestly made me think of the villain dying in their in We're Back, where, like, crows eat them. <laughs> but, um, but, like, that was the first moment where I was like, okay, the imagery has jumped the shark. Or, like, the imagery is super on the nose now. He's right. getting eaten alive by paperwork. Yeah. And yet in that case, that's literally the exact moment that the director wants you to start realizing, yeah, this is a dream. Mm -hmm. And so right. it just shows such a sure hand in a way that I'll be honest, I find Gilliam uneven. And I think I love Baron Munch, von Munchausen very much. Uh, but there's his most recent films like the Dr. Parnassus and et cetera. I feel like he just sort of blankets everything with cool imagery. And mm -hmm. Brazil is still at a phase in her career where Cody's right. Like he's navigating what is filmmaking? How can I use my animation sensibility to inform the filmmaking? And uh, it shows a kind of like control that I yeah, think. Yeah, there's a restraint to 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 it that is he's completely lost at yeah. this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I would say that that is that is very very well said. I think that that is the best time in an artist's life when they're they're still figuring out the apparatus. But they have the curiosity still and the zest for the job that mm -hmm. they, you know, 
want to fuck with it in a way that they feel is uniquely their own. Uh, why? For the sake of it. Uh, I think that's, you know, why you get directors who are maybe artours who are fantastic getting older or getting, you know, turning corporate and their work isn't as good. It's not that the brain isn't there. It's just that their passion led them down a different path. I think this is key. Like, this is the height of Terry Gilliam's passion for him. Like, him yeah. making his voice said. I think that's there's a, yeah, the there's for a care the and a with passion Monty Python. For right. Um, yeah, having that control and, and uh, taking time and care with it um, and making sure that everything is, yeah, in its right place as opposed to just, like, kind of autopilot, not to discredit, like, his later films, mm-hmm. but there, you do se- get a sense of care and passion from it. From even, like, movie. yeah, even, Michael, what you're talking about with the uh, the magnetic, the gifts and stuff, just, like, having that in it as well, because like, juxtaposing the bug in the system early on with like this isn't a bug this is a feature of it like right he, he's got both it's so he's uh, he's good every good joke in brazil <laughs> is profound as shit like mm-hmm. yeah every there are constantly these like i know abe and i agree one of the funniest things is the image of the secretary outside michael palin's office oh my god the the <laughs> so stenographer funny. yeah she has to keep a record of everything that's said in the torture mm-hmm. sessions in case someone confesses like a state secret but behind the scenes there are no state secrets the terrorists are fake there's no like right. this is all right, bullshit. Right, right. so all she does is like literally with a smile on her face type out "Ooh, ah no please don't kill me oh god oh shriek, shriek, <laughs> yeah, yeah. various shrieks shrieking continues yeah. and shit like that and that is so fucking funny and yet i mean it's the definition of satire i guess because you laugh and laugh, and then the laugh wears off, and you go like, it has some kind of air of importance, though, this story. I guess I'll think about it for a second. Oh, shit. She's passively taking the normalized violence of the state upon the people and transcribing it and shifting her own guilt away because she's just a cog in the machine. Like, every single joke also works as a fully realized political treatise which is really hard to write That's yeah hard to it's pull off. it's so impressive and to and to play them all out in a natural way they don't it doesn't seem like it's out of place it's not telling you what's going on it's so elegant and uh fitting for like the i mean it's the same department the jack character the michael palin um mm-hmm. everything he says is that like him getting mad at Lowry at the end for having to torture him? Um, oh my god! The uh, the one you. comment he makes, yeah, like the one the one comment he makes uh, in uh, one of their first scenes together when he's playing with his kid and they're talking about uh, how he accidentally killed that guy. <laughs> um, and I forget the exact line, but it's something about how like, well, no, I was right uh, about the man. They brought me the wrong man. I was right to do it to the man. They were wrong for giving me the wrong man or something like that. Yeah. It was just like, Oh yeah, this is how it is. And it was wrong. And, uh, because of this inefficiency, like I, I'm just doing my job. Um, and yet if everyone can say that, how will we ever fix the problem? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You need um, a bunch of Robert De Niro's coming and save the day. And it's an yeah. incidentally important, I think, that Robert De Niro is literally like a wanted. He's the only real terrorist we see who's like wanted and will be executed on site just for fixing people's air conditioner and heating systems. Because at the point that your society becomes this re- insane, 
the most basic thing you do is treasonous. <laughs> like, mm, right, he, right. He just wants people's systems to work. And that's yeah, a little, uh, yeah, yeah, a little but, better, a little less bloated um, for them, for the individual. And without um, filling out paperwork. And you exactly. just can't get away with that in this society. Uh, what I uh, wanted to sort of meditate on just because Cody mentioned it, and I think it's my favorite moment in the film. And I also want to tie it to we covered a little movie called Bone Tomahawk on this Bone podcast. Tomahawk. Bone, Bone tomahawk, tomahawk, you guys. Bone Tomahawk. And uh, the point was made that has really stuck with me that movies like Saw and Hostel that try to make you feel bad because horrible shit is happening forget that the reason it really hits home is that there's empathy in the room, is that there's someone saying, I wish this wasn't happening. I'm horrified. Mm-hmm. I love you. I can't believe you're having to withstand this. Oh, no. Yeah, just and a shot bone, of that person. Yeah, and Bone Tomahawk does that, and it wrecks you. And I think in the same way, it's so easy for things about dystopia and bureaucracy to become fully isolated. Kafka is fully isolated. Like, I've read a lot of Kafka, and I enjoy it. But it's purely an intellectual exercise. Like, you can't root for the guy in Metamorphosis. He exists only as a symbol. You know what I mean? And I think the most important moment in Brazil to me is the moment when Michael Palin in the baby mask, which is one of the most horrifying like images I've ever seen put to film, stops and looks back at camera and then turns and continues on the plank and goes and tortures his friend and you only realize in retrospect that it's michael palin so only after the fact can you appreciate that he looked back because underneath this crazy mask that society has put on him of a torturer that doesn't care and just smiles as they torture you he noticed that it was his friend and he was upset yeah the system that isolates us cannot inoculate us from the terror of actually having human hearts and like the facts like that is that's just fucking heartbreaking oh, to man. me that's that my, great i never thought that, about it that way michael palin has to tell him how could you do this to me yep yeah and what they both need to do is break free of the society but in absence of that it's an unthinkable nightmare. <laughs> like it, right, right. I'm tearing up talking about it. This hits home to me so hard. You know what's so amazing <laughs> is that like it's such a dense image, in my opinion, that what you just said resonates with me, and I never thought about it in those terms. But of course, the same, the impact of the shot is the same. I always interpreted his look back at camera as a break the fourth wall. Anyone can be under this mask. You can be under this mask. Oh, like funny games? Mm. Kind of, yeah. Like, it, the, just the idea that he's breaking the fourth wall there is a nod to this is not a movie, which is a nod to anyone here could torture their... without Right, empathy, these... If because allow- the machine is the same for everybody, yeah. uh, d- despite the role that you play. If you allow the uh, system if- to say you, do, you don't need empathy then you can do that. You're capable of this. But it, and it's the same message either mm-hmm. way. Sorry, I just wanted to point out that no, it's like, yeah. it was different for me, but it all leads to the same place. Yeah, I get a lot out of imagining it that it's Michael Palin realizing after 12 years of numbness yeah. 
that he actually is upset for yeah. one he's second. still got it, yeah. And then he yeah. stuffs mm-hmm. it down. Right, yeah. right, right. That that is horrifying. The performance <laughs> it's awful. the performance says that to me entirely. He's very it's a it's a great performance from everybody. Yeah, for sure. Sam Lowry is what did he go on to be in? Because I recognize him, but I don't know. If the uh, he's the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, he's, that's he's, right. Jonathan. Or like Price. that's what I recognize him. Jonathan so. Price has been in a lot of stuff. He's also the yeah. villain in Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's one of the popes in the New Pope. All right. Ooh. All right. Uh, <laughs> he's he's been in a lot of shit. He was in yeah. GI Joe. Uh, Rise of Cobra Jesus. as the okay. U.S. president. Uh, as the president of these United States. He was the uh, father of, um, he was Governor Witherby Swan in uh, The Curse of the Black Pearl, Pirates of the Caribbean. All right. Not, we can as stop. Elizabeth Swan. <laughs> oh, wait, I remember him from that. Yeah, yes, he's Elizabeth's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's also a very renowned uh, Shut up, theater dude. actor. <laughs> uh, he was in Glengarry Glen Ross. That's another thing you might yes. know. Yes. That's actually the main one. That's the image that's in my head yeah. that I was trying to. No, he's okay. he's. Yeah. Uh, it's it's surprising to me. He's that great. You don't recognize yeah. that name. He is all over the place. He's just British, so sometimes it doesn't translate all the time. But he's I been know. in tons yeah. of movies and a lot. I didn't of TV. know Michael Gambone, and I felt really bad. Like yeah, in retrospect, crazy. I should know his name. <laughs> yeah, I remember because I told you I was like, the, he's like that's that's Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore Dude, was wiping dog Dumbledore. shit into a guy's mouth. Really? Yeah, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Price is an absolute treasure. Uh, absolute uh, treasure. Yeah. Speaking of beloved uh, British actors, Ian Holm, the Hobbit Ian himself, Holm. Mm-hmm. Bilbo. Yeah. Bilbo. Uh, yeah, he comes That's to really life. Funny. He comes to life in Sam Lowry's dream and tries to hold him with big, strong stone hands. Which I consider a never-ending story reference. <laughs> that is true. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. It's a shot taken from a Chris Marker painting, like basically just a documentary about the French Library. That then he he did that shot, and then a bunch of other people did that shot, and it's just now it's kind of like the Wilhelm scream with visual shots, if that makes sense. Which is what you're talking about is latching Put camera. The camera in, yeah, to an object and follow the life of the object. Follow the life of the object, and it's usually a book or a pamphlet in a cart, uh, and yeah. you go down yes. the start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, everyone's seen the shot. It's been in a bunch of music videos. It's like, it's like a deal. Is all I'm it's saying. It's a good shot. And when you say, when <laughs> yes, you see yes, it yes, next time, you go, true. you know, that's from a reference to an obscure 1960s film. <laughs> Yes, and then everyone that. will be like, "Get out of my house!" Uh-huh. Ne- yeah, the next time you're you're yeah, yeah, watching no. a commercial yeah, for Ralph's, that. be like, "Oh, the that the, the, the shot of the cart <laughs> that's from uh... the guy who made La Jete. Mm-hmm. La Jete. La Jete. Uh But yeah, Brazil. The the amount of visual, what's I guess, lexicon that's going on mm-hmm. here is insane in terms of like what how we developed it. It's not just steampunk. Well, it's also like how we do, it's not just how we do bureaucracy, but it's also how we do like um, claustrophobia. It's, um, there's a mm-hmm. lot to be said about, like I know one uh, Clockwork Orange came out before this and you know, all hail Kubrick, but like it's still the same kind, like torture is done, I think differently after this movie. I, I can't really bring up all the examples now. But uh, like, there's just a lot of iconography. Oh, that there's it's comes from it's this super film. seminal. Like, just yeah. think of Jill as Furiosa and him as Mad yeah. Max, and you're like, 
Yeah, I was going like to bring that up. 40, yeah, you, it's yep. not a hunt. Super, super Mad Max Fury Road super vibes. Super Mad Max oh, Fury yeah, Road vibes in Act 3 specifically. It's like they took that act yes. and made it a whole movie instead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's why the movie. And uh, awesome. of yeah. course, because I work at IGN now and I'm completely steeped in video game shit all the time, twenty four seven. I recently read a Kotaku piece that was very insightful. I thought about why Outer Worlds is a is a workable satire, which was specifically because the whole game you're waiting to get to the planet where all the rich people live, who are at the top of the society, and then you get right. there and you realize it's also broken and shitty. And mm-hmm. only the marketing makes it seem good. And I love things. And I'm like, that owes to Brazil. That's Brazil, too. Brazil oh, yeah. has one of my. I, We're all in this together. Oh, my God. That's my favorite line. Because specifically, that's when Robert De Niro drowns Bob Hoskins in shit, which is reason enough yeah. to see this movie <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Right. Yeah. Is that sentence. But uh, specifically, yeah, they their suits fill up with shit. And Sam Lowry says, shit. And he says, we're all in it together, kid. And that is the thesis of the film. We're all Oof. drowning in shit. We may as well help mm-hmm. each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yes. anyway, sorry. Yes. I just w- Also, yeah, he's not actually, I mean, he's, uh, we're all in this together, but he's still uh, hurting the other people. Like Hoskins and his his guy. Well, did you think they died? Not I wondered that. Do they die? Do they? Dr- I think they probably got out okay. of the suit because the shit explodes like onto the window. That there's a tool that they could cut. Yeah, I think I think uh, De Niro's character also isn't. Uh, you know, I don't think he, uh, he's really associated with violence. Um, like obviously, right. uh, in, in the dream sequence, he's viewed as one of the terrorists, but uh, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think he's actually. I don't, th- I don't think he would have killed. This oh, good. Couple. That well, that makes me happy. But in terms of like the seminalness of this film, I just wanted to highlight the planned payoff of consciously showing them fleeing town in her giant truck, and you realize beat one, oh, the highways in this world are just endless billboards on either side of you, so tall mm-hmm. that you can't see over them. And they show pretty nature imagery. And the restraint in waiting like 20 minutes until they've done their business (laughs) and are coming back to show the same shot, but then crane up and reveal that outside those two borders of billboards, the earth is a radiated wasteland. And like that's literally the only reference in the entire movie that the world is an irradiated wasteland. The crazy restraint of just showing one hint that the world is an irradiated wasteland is so cool to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, the working title for this movie, until unfortunately 1984, was made by a different filmmaker, and t- much to the chagrin of Terry Gilliam. The working title of it was 1984 and a Half, which mm. is, yes, a combination of 1984, and which this seems very... And then eight and a half, which is the Fellini film, which is the so the idea. A lot, not a lot of people know about eight and a half. Eight and a half, the idea behind it is the, it's his eighth and a, it's his eighth movie. So this makes his. It's like he's saying, "This is me talking about making a movie while I'm making a movie," and that sounds really terrible, like hard to watch. But <laughs> yeah, what it deals with fun. is it's because the theme of the movie, in the same way that in Brazil. Uh, the theme of the movie is very much the 1984 in society and all that. And the reason that he would, it's like, 
it's taking it it's like a midlife crisis film it's it's, it's really uh, eight good and a half is eight and a half is great. a creative process it's talking about how in personal life and in like his own like per- career as a filmmaker him looking at all the problems that uh are in society and all the problems that face him in order to del- like make a good film and how like it it turns him into a like he just doesn't know what to deal with it and he like freaks out essentially uh, so it's talking about the difficulty of life and it's talking about happiness and how you navigate that space. Uh, 1984 is about kind of a, it's more of a social, like top down methodology of like, this is what society can become. So it makes a lot of sense to me that this would be 19 and a half or this would be 1984 and, and it and sounds half. silly, it's between but it's things. a way better title than Brazil. The title Brazil it's hurts way better it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say in a nutshell, 1984 is one of the more timely books that you could possibly read in this, the year of our Lord 2020, because Uh. the basic discovery of 1984 was like Orwell saying, no, 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 I know, I know your brain works. I know you're smart. Humans can be completely brainwashed into the point of thinking black is white and up is down and just become the tools of a propagandistic cult that spreads misinformation. Yes, they can. They absolutely can. And I'm like, right. As if we're not products of society. Yeah. (laughs) It was like 1984 is basically just saying like, Oh no. Yeah. Fox news will happen. Oh, you think it won't work? No, no, it'll work. (laughs) Mm. And, uh, God, he's not, he wasn't wrong. Not, Not wrong. wrong. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. That's amazing that it was going to be called 1984 and a half. That's actually a really good title for it. Yeah. All th- yeah. It is better than it Brazil. It is better than Brazil, yeah. although the song called Brazil that they play is a great song. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, and it plays to like his, you know, his escape uh, escapism and his fantasies. Yeah. And, uh, like that's the only that's the only the only actual vacation you can take from this world is in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, until I think that away from you. Too. There's also overlap with the secret life of Walter Mitty because daydreaming obviously is a big part of the movie, but also the fact that you realize Jill is the capable one who see things correctly. He wants to be, but mm-hmm. he's not even really there yet. <laughs> you know? No, he's just he's still figuring it out. Do you think? Uh, so speaking of Jill, uh, do you think that she is real? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the main thing I realized, I watched it twice since we decided to cover it. And the first time I had a point where I thought the dream started because spoiler alert. And again, I will say pause it and watch the movie. If you haven't seen it, welcome back. Spoiler alert in the correct version. uh, Like the whole third act is a dream because he dreams that through the sheer will of one person, who just yep. became woke society will just go oh you're woke now we'll fix ourselves like right. we'll sort our <laughs> right. we got it we got it now um, yeah and it's the realization that no man <laughs> no like it's gonna take more yeah. than that. i mean good for you but ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. on the ground the plot is that it's a daydream he was having while being tortured um so in my first watching i i picked one point that i thought everything after that was a dream And it's the point at which Robert De Niro and the terrorists burst in and save him. And then when I watched it again, I had the question, 
Is everything a dream from the point at which he gets knocked out in the paddy wagon by the two guys yep. who say... I think so, yeah. Sorry, sir, but I have to knock you out now. You're not allowed to fuck with the burlap sacks. <laughs> Sweat. I think so. Yeah. Everything I after that, that is be... a dream, right? Everything. That uh, That's my argument. I think it... That's even worse. That might... <laughs> that's super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the ambiguity of it is the thing, though. I think he's not actually like if you're if you go up to Terry Gilliam, he's going to go like, I'll never tell. Right. right. Uh, and I think that uh, artists are afforded that. Right. But that would mean that my take my take of the Palin sequence where it's like, oh, he, deep, deep, deep down, yeah. he does care about friendship. <laughs> Someone could come back and say, "Well, that's that was happen. the dream of what." That's his. That's his wishful thinking. Yeah, Sam right? Lowry I hopes, think, which is like even fucking sadder because like the bare minimum is that he's like he still does it. Like, he still tortures him, but he has like a it's moment. It's this thought of Why like can't, you know, if Abe has to torture me, I hope he feels mm. bad about it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Why can't it be that we're jumping in and out of the dream? And reality. Oh, that's true too. Fuck. And, um, yeah, like, I think that's, just that yeah. sequence where the tortures are happening, uh, except for like the breakout right. and stuff like that. Uh, obviously. Well, then you've convinced uh, me that the end is open to interpretation. Period. It just has yeah. to be. I, I think that <laughs> so much of it is. So I mean, even like there's that one sequence where he's uh, they're at, like a jewelry store, I think, or, like they're getting a gift. Yeah. And then he gets in a tussle with Jill, and there's that sequence where like he's kind of fighting with the mirror. So, like, Jill's behind the yeah. mirror, but you see split down the middle of the screen, one side is Sam and the other side is also Sam. Yeah. Right. Um, nice pickup. Yeah. That but, you know, that doesn't mean that she's not real. It's, you know, it's trying to say something about them as characters. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Jesus. open to interpretation. There's so much. Jim, it's this a is lot. Yeah, arguably my favorite <laughs> Jim Broadbent performance of all time. Oh. <laughs> Chilling. Oh, he's so it's he's ridiculous. so good at this. Oh my, everything with the face Every, stuff is yeah. so. Uh, oh my god. And I'm glad that uh. we can't possibly explain this movie to like a point of understanding this to people who haven't seen it. Just go watch it. But like, yeah, all the face yeah. stuff. All the face it's stuff. So disturbing mom, and dead yeah, on right. So good. Uh, she like apparently that. got yeah. like the really pills, bad hives filming it. We never talked about it. the pills that they eat. Uh, oh right, the pills. Yeah, the little go the, the goop, the goop with the pi with yeah. the pictures of what the food is supposed food, to be. Yeah, yeah. which oh, I know is like you know, I mean that's pretty Andy Warhol esque like level, you know. But like it's also no, but it's just funny when you the realize that's it's it's detail, that's yeah. the same scene that includes us learning that he has this stuff. dynamic with his mother. The terrorism stuff is normalized. The restaurant uses screens. Oh, they don't even have real food. It's mm -hmm. dense in a way that, like, again, it, it just lifts it. Any movie that would be in my top five is hitting on every level. And I just can't stress enough yeah. how it's like it's a dizzying amount of information from high level, like uh, philosophical satire that's very cerebral to the emotional grounding of the characters relationships. It's all unfolding at once with symbols that can bank multiple things at once. It's so fucking mm -hmm. good. Like the fact yeah, that his so mom impressive. is constantly getting plastic surgery and yet looks uglier and uglier until she suddenly looks gorgeous is both until she looks like the, his yes, girlfriend. It's right. both <laughs> cerebral satire and a perfectly visceral metaphor of their emotional dynamic. Like that stuff mm -hmm. just wows me. I can't imagine that he, 
I just love Brazil. <laughs> it's, it's also got the whole section about in that scene it has a section about he's coming to terms with the fact that he doesn't want to like it's an arranged marriage, so to speak. Oh my god! Like which mm. which in Western culture we don't have a lot of movies that talk about that because it's still kind of we consider ourselves a little bit more advanced or whatever. Well, I guess, we care more about cultures. quote unquote true love or whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is a bunch of bullshit because we do the same thing when the expectation is that in order for you to have a job at a high level, you have to have like a husband or a wife or to show that someone will live with you or whatever it is. And it's like, it's still the same kind of uh, like servitude to the society, I guess is a way of yeah, saying it. It is. It's just less out in the open. Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, just because it's behind the scenes doesn't mean that it's not, it doesn't have power over you. And it's just all these things vying for power. And when you opt into the system and he's like, obviously the uh, conflict is that he opts out of the system he doesn't do it on his terms, but he eventually gets opted out for him. Um, or in his dreams, he does whichever you want to roll with. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Whichever. Yeah. Or a little bit of both. Well, you know? and but I think yeah. it's very intentional that from Jill's perspective, this is the, it really is the energy of like someone who just became woke, but they don't understand all the nuances yet from her perspective. Mm -hmm. He's like a creepy rapist suit guy. Like he right she literally he says the first thing he says to her is I know you cuz I dream about you and I'm in love with you. Well, I'm not in love with you, but I'm in love with you in the dreams. And she goes, "Okay." And she kicks him out of her cab, physically kicks him to the street. He jumps on her hood and writes I love you in the dirt on the windshield. Like after that point, there's no way to, you know what I mean? That would be like being accosted by a mentally ill person at the mall. Yeah, you don't come <laughs> yeah. back from that. <laughs> so his vision of them as being meant to be, I think is endlessly interesting to meditate on because they're not meant to be. And like the yep. moment that he convinces her that he is her savior and she should sleep with him, she gets shot in the face. That's the end of her life. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. That's why the end. she he did nothing but sow horror in the life of a person who was already oppressed by the system and then become and, and then become a victim of the system himself. It was like yeah. for the privilege of a little adventure where he pretended to be revolutionary, he ruined her life mm -hmm. too. And yeah. that I hate say I hate interpreting it that way cuz that makes me ask very serious questions like is that what I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um it's just one of the best movies. That's <laughs> yeah. a very good yeah. movie. It's a uh, highly, very, effective, very funny very too, which we barely touched yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, well, because uh, like we were talking about earlier, like everything that's really funny, it's more interesting to talk about what it means. Cause it all means something. Every single joke has a long conversation behind it. Yeah. So, but, but, right. you know, What's the point? But for the yeah. record, the jokes land in the moment when you're watching them. Like absolutely, Abe, it's very you funny. brought up the arranged marriage, which led to this whole long tangent, and yet <laughs> that moment is super funny. It's him saying, 
finally like working up the courage to say, I know that our parents want us to get married, but I don't want to marry you. And she goes, that's okay. I don't like you either. And he's like offended. And you're like, well, I thought I was the person. But you didn't like her. What the fuck is the problem? Yeah. You're not the one making stands. You're you're just coming to the realization that life is shit. We all know. That was a total Arrested Development moment for me or George Michael moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I can't find, it's wonderful because he is kind of pathetic. You root for him, but he's so pathetic because every every instance of him interacting with whether it's Bobby D or it's fucking uh, it's Jill or it's like his arranged marriage situation or girlfriend, I guess uh, it's just like someone turning to him and going, welcome to the fucking moment. <laughs> and he's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh. It's an absolute microcosm of, and we deserve it, but also it's good to persevere of like white people becoming yeah. woke and then tweeting like, can you believe shit is so racist? And black people going, rightly so. Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> yeah, we knew that. Yeah, we've been and, talking about uh, it for a long it's time. It's still good. It's good to wake up. But, uh, you know, black people are right to go, yeah, we knew that already. But welcome to the thing. <laughs> and to the I moment. think Brazil hits a note that's very important to hit as well because it's so easy to root for Sam. And yet the movie goes out of its way to be like, I know you root for Sam. You kind of are Sam. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you feel about being the Sam? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a daring thing to, I mean, I expect it from Terry Gilliam at this point, but. mm. (laughs) 1985, the year of my birth. One year after. Oh, imagine if it came out. Same. Six months into the year 1985. That would have been perfect. <laughs> Cody, have you seen Baron Munchausen? I hope we cover that sometime. It's been a long time. Uh, b- b- like, l- longer than it had been since I have seen Brazil. It just, that one doesn't have, like, I would consider Brazil, like, get out. I would consider, like, this viewing made me really realize get out is an accomplishment on the order of Brazil. But, like, uh, definitely on the right. Baron Munchausen's not trying to be that. It's not satirical at all. It just proves that it's like time bandits. Yeah. It, I don't, yeah. I have a weird thing with Gilliam where I guess I really do wish I, I understand he's an asshole and that bothers me, but I do wish that he had, uh, and he misgenders people, which is absolutely not fucking okay. But, um, like Lynch, he has slammed together film images that I see and I go, damn, I, I like that. I wish more of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's what you want. His, out of movies. his version uh, of magical realism. Just fucking. I love it. I'm addicted to it in the way where Lynch yeah. can have in twin peaks. The guy put a dead deer head on a table and I'm like, why does that creep me out so much? Mm-hmm. Who is this madman who thought of doing this? <laughs> yeah. Get out. Get it. What are you doing? But also just, make you're right. Get out, get out hits all the same cylinders on the writing level, but it's not trying to do the imagery thing. It's not as, it's not as dense. As it's all. not as magical realism yeah, images. It's not, yeah. it's not as painted in. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, not a series of artistic images. Right. He does some that never end until the movie is over. He does some good editing. 
stuff but yeah anyways, but you know what uh, i mean where do get out at the ideas are unpackable to the point where you're like i can't believe i'm still unpacking this image holy shit this is well thought out yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean the uh even like little things like the computers and the the magnifying glass screens and like everyone is every every single person is just watching like old movies and tv shows on it oh my god yeah um, that everyone's screen and re- requires using a magnifying glass uh mm-hmm. it's just so great mm. So good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't. There's nothing that an hour-long podcast did. Do That's what I'm. G- yeah, this is the level of a Coen Brothers film, which is something I don't say lightly. Like, we could could have done a four-hour episode on this, but we're not going to because this is frame rate. So apologies. Um, yeah, you sure. know. So go out and watch it. But you know? but just go watch yeah. it and like watch it a second time. Uh, and it's so it's so good. Uh, uh. It deserves you to think about every single shot in order because every single Cody, shot has something to to bring to the table. Yes. Cody, what's your favorite se- sequence or se- segment? Cuz you said you, you talked about themes and stuff, but was there one is there one that like really got you into it? Um I mean the very beginning really got me into it. Uh like instantly here I mean that's easy to say because that's what you want from a movie. Right. But um, but like just uh, so many things in a row, the bug in the system, uh, it being a feature, all like the um, the 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 politician talking on on screen about the Hell terrorist yeah. attacks. Yeah. Uh, the way it was talked about uh, was instantly familiar and disgusting. <laughs> and the fact that you knew it came, it came out in nineteen thirty five years dude. yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah exactly just like that that first yeah like the first four minutes i guess was just like oh god oh they're nailing it already it's so good um and obviously it's like about you know it's about these other these attacks that we're not experiencing but it's, it's the same mindset and the same language it's the same way they talk about it um it was uh it gets you right away um and just uh we already talked about it, but the fighting over the desk yeah. through the, the room oh, yeah, is just like, that. oh, one of God. Highlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. It's really funny, uh, that scene. I really, yeah, I love the Jim Broadbent stuff. I also love uh, how Michael Palin just has his kids. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, around. they actually reshot that scene. Um, they didn't, because uh, it was just a normal scene between them. Uh, and after the movie was, uh, I think, in the can, they were like, this isn't working. We need to reshoot it. And they added the kid. Brilliant. Um, and it just, it, it yeah, it's, it's just like, it sells everything it's about bring it. bring your daughter so to work day at the torture factory. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, I think, uh, I believe uh, that is, that was Gilliam's kid. Nice. So that it makes sense. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Bring your <laughs> bring your kid to work day. Oh, and when, uh, also when Sam uh, went to, uh, I guess Buttles. Oh, uh, I was wife. about. I was oh, gonna Buttles. say, can I go? And this was gonna be my moment, but you tell oh, it. No, then no, go no. ahead. There I you go. No, no, no. Like, you tell it. You tell it. Oh, I just, I just love it. Uh, it's one of the first instances of him like waking up to his role and exactly. what's going on, um, and he has to tell this woman uh, that due to like a clerical error, her husband's fucking dead. <laughs> Um, and paperwork is involved and he doesn't know what to say to her. Uh, there's, it's a sequence of lines where like she keeps asking what happened and he keeps like avoiding eye contact, looking away. He's trying to leave the room so much. He's watching um, the TV just, that is on mandatorily. Mm-hmm. Watching, watching, watching yeah. the old, the old shows that everyone watches. Um, cause, uh, in this society you can't create anything new. 
um because that would be subverting uh the system um and it's just oh, it's so yeah good. the moment that gets it, yeah. me is she it's just the sheer like frozenness of it like this could be a painting in this moment the symbol yes, is perfected yeah. it doesn't even need time to make it function is he's standing awkwardly like putting his hand on her coffee table and looking at her tv and she is crying clutching her children to her breast and screaming what have you done with his body and he says annoyed you know i didn't have to come here and i'm like yes oh that's the one I'm like, oh, yeah. that's everything that is the whole movie mm. and then later i love it's like here's the receipt for, for your the refund every receipt because we so admit good. the government yeah. killed your husband by accident here's 27 dollars or whatever yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. we you because uh, we you out of your even though we did the damage you have to pay for all the damage that we did right but in this case since we killed him by accident you get your payment for damages returned to you aren't we a just society (laughs) aren't we doing a good job net gain you know yeah your yeah your refund is a net gain yeah uh uh, yeah and like when they dead life the stormtroopers saw a hole in his ceiling to get him so then later other stormtroopers come to fill the hole with a pre-packaged hole like a a floor hole that is designed for this purpose and she's like that's not Tuttle and they're like of course it is the government doesn't make mistakes and they immediately drop the hole through the hole and it crashes Mm. Yeah, that whole uh, just a lot of holes. A lot of people speaking through holes to each other. Yeah, holes and pipes yeah. and tubes, which I have to believe because, is intentional. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know that in Gillian, like I, I, it was true up to a point in every film that Gillian made. Uh, it there was a very pronounced vis- visual of cages and people in cages. Yeah, and and um, in this, there's a lot of slaves imagery. The working people are slaves, yeah, etc. And there's, we yeah. we put people behind bars yeah. in this, or like a porthole is the equivalent. Yeah. you can't get out, but you can. And portholes, kind of little tiny rooms. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So this one's more less of the prison and more of like the mental institute, but it's very right. much still, I think, Gilliam's bag. Uh, I think that's might still be true because I think it's a thing that he's aware of and he like tries to go for. Also, but I don't. I haven't seen Tideland, so I haven't seen the yeah zero theorem. I guess Is that I haven't one? seen that, and I really I have not seen. Too. Yeah, I haven't seen zero that because I like Waltz. That's uh, yeah, yeah, I like Waltz, and also it's presented as like part three in this basic in like, this trilogy, magical this realism Brazil trilogy. Sort of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, trilogy yeah. of imagination. I'll have to check yeah. it out. It's it's number two, I think, in that. Well, Brazil is Trilogy of Imagination, yes. yeah, yeah. which is like the Cornetto trilogy for like Edgar Wright. Right. It's Time Bandits, which is 81, uh, and then Brazil, 85, and then Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which was 88. And then he had another one, which is, I think, the one Zero that you're Theorem. About. With okay. Christoph yeah. Zero yeah. Theorem. Yeah. And Parnassus. Parnassus, I didn't care for. It's like, it's interesting. It's like a hollow version of Brazil. It's like all the same tricks mm-hmm. with no meaning and. I'm just going to be grateful Brazil exists. And, and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We should all be grateful we that Brazil should, exists. We should yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah, we should watch it again. You're right. Mm. I'm not kidding, actually. We should watch it. We should watch uh, it and just talk over it every time we yeah, see Yeah, Point it out and go, oh, look. <laughs> it's Again, I'm not joking. It's so good. We could do that and say something 
knew every moment that we have not said absolutely yeah. yeah well i have the dvd i have the criterion so we can do that let's do it on, we're gonna do it on rabbit oh it's so good oh god that would be yeah we should make those <laughs> gamefully unemployed motherfuckers watch it with us on some friday night oh yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Hell all right. Yeah. yeah. We're all friends and we watch movies and talk about yeah. it. Great. Yeah, we are and we do. Let's, come join Let's us. leave them on that note <laughs> so it can sustain in their brains and uh, mm. their chosen version of reality can seem to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to thank. We're all victims to the <laughs> I want to thank Shannon right. and Jesse again for giving us yeah. a chance to talk about this truly profound and important film mm. together. Thank you so much. Yeah, I thank you. This was, you know, a good gift Happy for Christmas. Happy birthday or late. Christmas or marriage or whatever. Happy holiday. Two months, two, two months oh, late. Oh, you know? yeah, and I forgot. Shannon wanted us to say, even though all systems are hollow inside and everything is bullshit propaganda, you guys <laughs> are really soulmates, and that's true. That's <laughs> so true. that's good. That is true. That's true. It's good. good. Hold on so to that. Happy. Hold on to mm-hmm. that. You're the only ones. <laughs> You're the only ones. Uh, Cody, is there anything you want to uh, pitch a project of yours or someone else's that you're interested in? Like, um, like go watch this thing or like, like go watch my stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I got want. I do stuff on the internet. Um, if you Google some more news and like Twitter and like YouTube, uh, we do news shows about kind of a lot of the stuff we've talked about today. Um, through the Twitter lens of ah uh, oh, dang um, some more news I'm Dr. Mr. Cody on Twitter uh, we have a podcast called Even More News um, and I also do another podcast called Worst Year Ever uh, that you can check out on iHeartRadio it's got uh, it's about politics as well and our society and all the problems uh, with jokes um, and we have a Patreon as well, if you'd like to check that out for some Dr. More news. Mr. Cody um, is D-R-M-I-S-T-E-R, Cody. Thank you. I always yeah. spell it whenever I plug my thing, Although and I always feel like I a real piece of shit. I agree with the general sentiment that I think Billy Wayne Davis expressed on Zeitgeist recently. Shouldn't we be through this phase where... So we're in the phase where everyone knows plugging is just, oh, you got to plug at the end, right? And you say all your pluggables. Right. Yeah. What is this lie we're all living? Can't you just say, Google my name, motherfucker? It comes up on Google. Like, if you have any concern of note, Google the title of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done that a few times. It's so much easier and makes so much more sense. Um, yeah, I yeah. hate I'm listing Cody all Johnston. my things. You can take um, it from there because like, of the internet. <laughs> like, for real. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy. Just copy uh, It's probably this. how you found out about what yeah. you're listening to right now. So. Right, yeah. It's because uh, I guess we're outsourcing our own plugs now. But, I mean, I understand. <laughs> I understand. He said that on our podcast, and I was like, that is the greatest plug I've oh that was on ours okay that's when billy wine said that yeah (laughs) yeah i was on a frame rate yeah uh but thank you for that man thank you for being here i know it took a while for us to get you here uh and that's no fault of yours uh oh yeah so thanks for having me we should have you more on more because you're i would love to yeah yeah. i like talking about movies with my friends and um I love and this movie especially too. I, pre- I like. I mean, like you said, it took us a while to sort of coordinate this, but uh, we. I've had separate conversations with uh, both Abe and Michael 
uh, leading up to this where we tried really hard to not talk nice. about the movie because we yeah. really, really wanted to. We're like playing Rocket League and then you're like, yeah, it's like, it's I like really you want to talk about oh, yeah. no. the, like the Iowa caucus happened. I'm like, ah, oh, you want to ah, the movie. Uh, never mind. If we're still doing it frame rate in two years, we should just do Brazil again with the same. Yeah, absolutely. And just like, all, all right, listen to the, yeah. just listen to it. Let's talk about other stuff. For sure. Yeah. Uh, that <coughs> I believe is everything that we can we can do in this time allotment. Thanks again, yeah. Shannon. Thanks again, Cody. Uh, Mike, you're all right. <coughs> Jesse, you didn't contribute as directly, so <laughs> goodbye. Yikes. Bye, everybody. Uh, yikers. <laughs>